forever. Dog. Hello, I'm Janie Stoller, and welcome to the Relatively Healthy Podcast. We on the pod are interested these days in vaginas and all the areas around them and pain and all the ways people with, let's say, I don't know the correct term, but uterus and uterus adjacent organs suffer constantly. And we're going to continue that theme today with an episode about vaginismus. Now, my friend, the amazing comedian, Elise Morales, is going to be on the show. And I'm so grateful because she's wonderful. And also because I think vaginismus is a term I've only heard very peripherally uh, throughout my life. But from what I understand, it is very common. So to define it up top, vaginismus is an involuntary uh, tightening of the pelvic floor muscles when a woman attempts to insert something into her vagina. So it can cause intense burning pain. It can make penetration impossible. And the vagina may completely cramp up. It can block entry. It really just becomes a brick wall. So this is connected to a bunch of other potential situations, which we'll also talk about on the podcast, but we're going to get into it right now with Elise. Hello, I am joined right now by such a fantastic person. She's a comedian. She's a writer. You know her from Betches. And if you don't, you're an idiot. Please welcome Elise Morales. Hello. Hello, Elise. Thank you so much for doing the pod. I'm very excited. I as soon as I saw that you wanted people, I was like, please let me come on your podcast and talk about my vagina. And you acquiesced it immediately. Is truly <laughs> my honor to welcome your vagina to this Thank podcast. You. It has She's been too long. To be here. <laughs> and sometimes doesn't it feel like they're a separate entity doing their own thing? <laughs> I, I like do often refer to my vagina as like her or she or just because like. <laughs> it's like sometimes they run the show they have a plan for the day and we're just going along for the ride true and that's a lot about of what we're gonna talk about yeah honestly so <laughs> uh, yeah so we're gonna talk today about your vagina and mm -hmm. up top vaginismus which yes it sounds like straight up like a huge pain in the ass how did you first know you had it um, okay. So it's interesting because like the longest part of my vaginismus journey, I would say was identifying it and then actually like finding a place that could help me. So like for me, um, basically, you know, I started trying to be sexually active and stuff and got became sexually active in like late high school. And at first it was all like, I didn't really know that anything was wrong because all of my friends' sex stories were, like, super awkward and, like, half of them, like, did not end in, like, sex actually happening. So I was, like, I was, like, oh, I just thought everything was, fi like, fine. It was really more in college that I started, like, my friends started having, like, all these fun, sexy times away at school. And I was, like, still having this problem where anytime I tried to have sex, I, it just like basically feels like it's stopping up against like a wall. That's like kind of the biggest 
thing for vaginismus is that it's just like it just literally feels like someone put up like like they closed the door on your vagina yeah. basically um so it was in college that I started realizing like mm, this is definitely not what most people are going through and but I still like I had never heard of anything like it and I didn't know like I didn't even know how to go about finding out what was wrong or looking it up or anything and I was so like confused and also like ashamed about it I'm sorry um my neighbor is lighting off fireworks in the backyard (laughs) (laughs) oh thank god like a lot of banging it is my neighbor lighting off fireworks um it's perfect it's perfect so it took me a while but really I never it came to it on my own it was that I had a college boyfriend a long-term college boyfriend because you know, we weren't having sex, but I have great personality and I'm lovely. <laughs> so, so he stuck around um, and he basically it got to a point where like, yeah, we had been dating for two years and he was like, this is you know, he had had sex before. So he was like, no, this is like an issue. Mm. And he went on Reddit. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. That is where the story goes. Oh, no. So he went on Reddit and found like our vaginismus or whatever, and then forwarded me the page. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I ever knew that there was like a word for what was going on and that there were other people who had it and that there were other people who had been treated. And that like, you know, I had identified the problem probably two or three years prior, but I just had no idea what to look at, like what to look for or what to look up. So it really took my college boyfriend going on Reddit and then he forwarded me a Reddit page and that was how I found out. That's crazy. I think that does also speak to just the expectations of sex on people with vaginas because, I mean, we don't know what's normal, but like, it, we, it's, it can't be, you know, you can't think it's like medical. It's like, oh, maybe, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people think that it's anxiety or like I'm uptight or just not, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. But to yeah. think, yeah, like I would never, I mean, like my teenage brain, I would never be like, maybe it's something that has like a medical term for it. Yes, exactly. And it was like, it was such a strange thing where like dyspareunia is like the term for just like pain during intercourse in general. And there are like so many women who experience it for such a variety of reasons. Like vaginismus is just one. And I would say that vaginismus, it's more about that, like stopping that, like closing of the pelvic wall muscle so that you can't even like be penetrated. That's kind of like the key for vaginismus. But I feel like if in a sex ed class, even one teacher had been like, Hey ladies, (laughs) uh, if it really hurts a lot, you should talk to your doctor or like there could be like, yes, they even skated over like some of the terms just being like, Hey, like it's actually, you know, 
not okay for sex to be very painful and it shouldn't right. be. Like we're, you not should. E- we're not even told it's supposed to feel good. I feel like no. the sex ed that at least I got, and I think it's very common, is like, here's how you get pregnant. Here's how a man makes you pregnant. Not, yeah. here's what would make it feel good and don't do it if it doesn't feel right. And you should look it up on Reddit if it's not working. Like, there's none <laughs> of that. There's none of that. And we get so much like like young girls are told so often also that it is going to be an unpleasant experience mm. and that it is going to be painful mm-hmm. and with vaginismus like i so well we can go into my treatment stuff in a minute but like one of the things that i had was like i got this book that kind of helped you think about because it's it is psychosomatic it's something that your like brain is creating a muscle response that does not need to happen it's basically like you trained your pelvic floor muscles to do this and like you have to just untrain them kind of with physical therapy but i like looked at you know there are a lot of psychological reasons some people it happens to them because they grew up in super religious households i didn't but what i've kind of come to think about it is that like i just had heard from everywhere that sex was going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My friends who had sex before me told me that it was going to be painful. I remember my friend Megan told me that it felt like being pinched by a lobster from the inside. Oh, my God. And yet it's like still this goal. Yet it's like the thing that we are working toward and like it means something good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, my God, what are we doing? And then all of your sex ed is like, you're going to get an STD. You're going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's like the mean girls thing. Like, you will, like, you will have sex and then you will die. Like, yeah. So I think that I just was anxious about it the first couple of times because I was anxious about it being painful. And then it just created this sort of like negative feedback loop where, like, I thought it was going to be painful. So then my pelvic wall muscles clenched up. So then it was painful. So then I thought it was going to be painful. And it kind of just creates this like loop in your brain that can happen for so many reasons. I think there's like a common misconception that people who had it have like definitely experienced abuse, which definitely some people have. But it's actually like most for a lot of people, it's just like weird sexual grooves that society kind of like digs into your brain. Because mm. did yeah. you have it when you put in a tampon too? So I, yes, but I didn't. And that was another thing. That was really the first sign was like when I was younger, I was not using tampons at all. And I could not figure out how to use them. And I didn't want, but you also like, I don't want to tell everyone that I don't know how to use <laughs> tampon so I literally told people that I was allergic to them it's it's crazy it's that thing in like high school where you feel like you have to come up with a lie for something no one truly yeah like no you're allowed to just not do that thing you're like but I remember I said one time I was like allergic to balloons popping I totally get you Because it was very loud and I didn't like it. I was like, the other girls need to hear an explanation for why I don't have tampons in my bag and why I have pads. Like, they need to know they're going to have questions. I need to have these answers. (laughs) It's like, thank God I have this really legit sounding answer uh, to get through this time. Allergic (laughs) Allergic to tampons. (laughs) All tampons. Uh, Yep, that's it. Nope, not cotton. Tampons. Um, so what did you, yeah. yeah, What did you do? Like after you found out about vaginismus? 
so after I found out it was, I mean, it was, it was very shocking. Like it was a really intense moment for me, but it was really good. I was like, Oh my God. I started reading all these stories about people who had like gone to treatment and gotten over it. So I started looking up like places that you can go. And this kind of put me into like the second phase, which was like, if the longest phase was like actually figuring out what it was, the second longest phase is like finding a place that is actually (laughs) helpful in Mm -hmm. any way. Yeah. So first thing I did, which was not the correct move was I went to the university of Delaware's student health center and I went to talk to this nurse and I told her, like, I think that I have vaginismus and like, these are all my symptoms. And then the nurse went over to like her little nurse computer and she Googled vaginismus. And then she she printed out the Google results. Like Like just (laughs) of links. Oh my God. I was like, um, <laughs> well, I've like seen these. I'd be like, are you okay? Do yeah, you I need was- help? <laughs> What's going on? This is truly crazy. And then she gave me a bag of dilators, which are just basically like dildos, like a series of graded dildos that like sl- that get like bigger that are used for treatment but she did not give me any information she about didn't them print out she that did- google result page of no. like dilator use oh my she god gave them to me and so i kind of like i went home with the giant bag of dildos <laughs> and i just like put them under my bed and i did nothing for like a long time and then i parent i didn't realize that i was sp- <laughs> i was supposed to give them back <laughs> wait that's gross <laughs> like first of all why would you give them back that's so but, gross anyway. like let you have them no <laughs> so I didn't realize that I was supposed to give them back and then I guess like student health was trying to get in contact with me at my old like dorm and I didn't realize and then finally I got this like very angry message from the nurse that was like <laughs> I was like you you have all of our dildos and you need to give them back honestly when dildo <laughs> collections is coming after you you're living your best life that's the sign <laughs> things are going great yeah. Like we're not going to give them back and you you're you're the reason we're not going to give them out anymore. Oh my god. <laughs> you are the sole reason why the University of Delaware no longer gives out bags of dildos and Google result printouts. This is you've changed you've changed the game. You can just like yeah. hang up your jersey. It's done. I I was like, "Damn, I'm really sorry to like the future generations of blue hens that did not <laughs> have the opportunity to use my used <laughs> vaginal dilators. (laughs) This is so absurd. Also, like, University of Delaware is a legit, wonderful institution. It is. It was fully funded, you know, like, why is this happening here? It was a great place. Joe Biden went there. Uh, (laughs) Joe, (laughs) please help us. But they definitely, I mean, the, the nurse at the student health center was not trained in helping me with vaginismus for sure. No, she wasn't. So um, that was like the first attempt. Then basically what happened after that was I found this place called the Women's Therapy Center that is on Long Island. That is, I don't know if that's, if it's still true now, but it was at the time, basically the only like medical center that specializes 100% in just like desperunia, which is that like catch-all term for like pain during intercourse 
vaginismus and just like any pelvic wall. It was like basically like a pelvic wall specialist mm. place. So at that, it cost like three thousand dollars. Oh my god! So I had to like tell my parents, mm-hmm. which was very strange they were super supportive and amazing and they like paid for this whole treatment but it definitely was like a very weird conversation to be like hey i don't know if you've been wondering about my vagina but (laughs) there's a problem yeah that's Um, crazy that's a crazy conversation like not just hey i'm having sex or i'm looking to have it but like i have a pelvic wall situation that, yeah. that you know that needs three thousand yeah. dollars of treatment that's just that's exactly. tricky yeah it's just like the, trying to like explain this whole thing and like that i and kind of having to go back and explain like well this has been going on for a really long time it was just i mean it was just it's strange to talk to your parents about your sex life but luckily mine are great and so they like and luckily I was planning on moving to New York to pursue comedy at that point. So I moved to New York and then I started going to see them. And it was like, I would take the Long Island railroad like once a week to this, just like little, honestly, it was like a little small place. I think maybe they've moved locations now or expanded, but it was just like this tiny place And I remember as soon as I walked in, there was like all these books on the like, like for my first thing, there were all these books on the like coffee table, just like so many letters from women being like, I never thought that I would get over this. I have children now. I have like a beautiful life with my husband. Like it was so many testimonials, which was like really good to read. And then basically... Um, there are these two doctors there and they've written a book that I read called private pain. That's about like vaginismus specifically. And I just worked for them for basically a period of like, I think in total nine months. And I did ultimately use the dilators and it's basically like, it's honestly just like advanced kegels that you have to do. Mm. And then like, like practicing relaxing your pelvic wall muscles so that you can put in a tampon and it kind of like graduates in like size or activity or what you're going to do. And you kind of have, it's like, it's basically like vagina physical therapy that you have to do. Was there a psychological element to it too? Did was that part of it? Yes. So I was also, they had an on-site therapist who I would also see in conjunction with the like physical therapy part of it, just to kind of get to that place where you're examining because it is psychologically, it is psychological. Like there's nothing fit. If you have vaginismus, there's nothing physically wrong with you. It's just, you trained a muscle response that you got to like kind of train out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But there isn't really anything preventing you from being penetrated or having like, uh, like I used to, like when I first happened, I was like, is my vagina like too small? Like, is right. something, <laughs> like I was just like, what is going on? But it's, it's all, it really is a psychosomatic thing. So there was like a therapy component to it as well. And then in recent years, even like since, because it really did take nine months. And then like this thing that had plagued me 
for, you know, my whole life until that point, 22 years, it was just gone. Like you just, it was crazy. It was crazy how the actual like treatment of it was the smallest part. Like Mm. the longest part was figuring out what it was and then actually getting to a place that could provide me with the treatment, but the treatment itself less than a year. Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Really interesting. And like, it is something where like I've had the opportunity to write or talk about vaginismus a little bit. And like, that is something I always want people who think they have it or are going through it to know is that like the treatment works and it's like, like the hardest part of the journey is kind of getting into that room. And once you get into the room and you start it, or once you get like, there is some like home self-guided things you can do if you're not like close to a clinic. Like once you start doing that, you are like, on the road to recovery. Like it will, there's nothing that prevents you from not recovering. It's not like a, an illness or something where it's just like, well, you might not get better. Like, no, you actually will. That's amazing. And now, so what is it like for you now? Do you still have it ever? Like, does it show itself or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely have like, I, I have like a full and happy sex life now, which is great, but it's all like, I do just feel like she's maybe a little more sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not going to be the girl who's doing like a week long marathon sex day. Like she needs a break. (laughs) That's not going to be happening. And there are some days where I've realized like, I'm just like, Oh, it's flaring up for some reason. Mm -hmm. Or like, and, and I have to like remind my, like I have to remind myself like, relax and kind of go back into that like physical therapy mode. And also it is kind of a thing where like, it does require me to check in with my partner a little bit more and be a little bit more honest, because if I'm not like 100% ready to go, it can be a little like there can be like pain still as a part of things at like the beginning or whatever, but it's like, it just kind of requires a lot more communication with my partner. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I mean, night and day, like I went from truly not being able to use a tampon, being not being able to truly have any insertion of any kind to like, you know, all this sex now. (laughs) That's amazing. I do think there's probably people who just think this is the way I'm built or there's something wrong with me fundamentally and like, it'll always be this way. So it's amazing to hear that it can change. It can get better. Yes. And that is absolutely what I thought. I was like, well, first I was like, like at my youngest stage, I was like, there is something going on, but it is unique to me Mm -hmm. and it is not fixable. Right. I was just like, it is just something that I'm going to have to shuffle around my life forever. It's going to be a secret, et cetera. And then, and like, it really couldn't have been further from the truth. Like there are literally thousands of women who deal with it. Many, many of them have gone through treatment and gotten to different levels of cured. Like for me personally, again, it's just night and day. That's amazing. So it's really like, it's really a, a lack of information that I think keeps uh, like fear and a lack of information that keeps people from getting where like getting the treatment that they need. Yeah. I also think, I mean, I, I think the more I do this podcast or just have conversations more openly with people, it really shocks me to understand how many people have 
consistent or used to have consistent issues with their vagina or adjacent parts and that no one talks about it. And so many women or people with uh, vaginas silently suffer for so long. And so I just think like the more I talk to people, the more I understand that everyone's got stuff. Everyone has stuff that they're navigating. And like the more people understand that it's all normal and you don't have to have painful sex. You don't have to force Uh painful sex. Because I think there is this idea too of suffering through it of like you said this idea that sex is just painful and like that sex just is this thing you have to go through I think the more we talk about it and the more people understand all the different terms and all the different ways people experience sex and pain differently I think it's all for the better I I mean I I think I'd like heard vaginismus once before Mm -hmm. before this conversation and it's extremely common we should just know this word really not, I mean, it's, there are a lot more people who deal with it on some level for all kinds of reasons. Like some people have it after they've given birth, like, which makes sense to me, you know, like if they've experienced like some kind of pelvic trauma, people can like have it. Some people just have it like with me. I just, I mean, I have like my ideas about like why, but it also like, it just happens. And I mean, the sooner that you like take ownership of it and get yourself to a person who can help the better. It is tricky though, to find someone who's helpful because Mm -hmm. I went to some gynecologists who weren't helpful. Like the first time that I went to the gynecologist, I, I mean, I freaked out just because like it wasn't working. I mean, it was because I was like still 18 at that point. So I like had vaginismus, didn't know what it was and had like very limited sexual experience at that point. And that gynecologist, I displayed truly every single telltale sign of vaginismus. And she just like, didn't mention it. (laughs) She just was like, such a common story is like, I had the most obvious thing that they've probably seen a million times, but for some reason they just don't mention it. I don't know why that is. Yeah. And I'm just like, if that woman had told me at 18, mm-hmm. what was up? Like my parents are very supportive. So there's no way that they wouldn't have put me in treatment right then and there. Like they, you like it, it, I, I, this person had the opportunity to shave off honestly six years of mm-hmm. dealing with this. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I don't know if she just, I, it seems impossible to me that a gynecologist wouldn't know what it was but yeah there was that and then obviously there was the the google nurse um and then I did see another gynecologist before I moved to New York kind of like in the interim when I like knew about it and she was not a specialist in it but she was helpful and she did begin me on the road before I got to the women's therapy center but it was really once I got there that things got started that's so So interesting you really have to make sure that the person because i i mean i mean it sucks because it puts so much more onus on the person who's like suffering with this thing Mm -hmm. like but you really do want to see someone who has like either desperunia which is that term or like sexual pain or pelvic pain in their like specialty Mm -hmm. specifically because not 
every like just regular gynecologist that you go to is going to be educated about it, which is, I, I mean, hopefully maybe it's better now in the interim, but that was my experience is that you need to like find someone who specifically if, has it like listed on their ZocDoc or like you call them and you're like, what's your experience with this? Because otherwise it's honestly traumatic and it wastes your time yeah. and it sets you back because you're like, well, now this fucking doctor couldn't even help me. I think that's a great point, especially because mm-hmm. we're dropping, we're talking about dropping a lot of money and time. Yes. I think if you also, if you can't afford a specialist or your insurance situation isn't set up for that, I'd imagine, I would guess folks at Planned Parenthood would be more familiar with stuff like this than people like the bougie doctor who doesn't know and just deals with like certain, you know, other things. Because I just from my own experience, like I found the people at Planned Parenthood are much cooler and like much more trusting of women when they go in with situations. But I think what you're talking about is really interesting that like you may have to drop some cash and spend some time. And if the person isn't, the person just may not be familiar with this and you may have to like go to a couple places to get the proper they should be and you would expect them to be but it's like it is a very I mean the 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 physical therapy it's very intimate thing Mm -hmm. that you're gonna go through with this doctor um and (laughs) they do a lot to keep it as like doctorly as possible just the same as like any gynecological thing but um it is harmful to go and have them not know what you're talking about or just like be terrible. So. Yeah, it's the most vulnerable thing in the world. I can't think yeah. of something more vulnerable. I mean, you're really yeah. trusting them with like something that they could very much damage you psychologically or send you on a weird path, you know? So yeah. that and makes total sense. That you don't really understand. Like I learned mm. so much more about it throughout the process of getting over it. But when you're going through it, you're like, I don't know why this is happening to me. This is you're, the doctor is probably like one of the first people you're ever talking to about it. You don't really know how to like, I didn't even really know the terms of how to describe it. Like, I didn't know what was happening. I was just like, yeah, I just can't have sex. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know the terminology of being like my pelvic wall muscles which are like the muscles for like kegels and stuff like that. And like that you would like use to stop from peeing and stuff like that. I didn't know how to be like, I, there's a PVC muscle group and you can like subconsciously make it clench up and then that will make penetration difficult. Like you don't know the terminology. So to have a doctor who doesn't know either is like, it makes you feel more like, Oh, is this really just me? Like what's happening? Yeah. Like even the experts are just, printing out a Google handout sometimes and you're just like, no one knows anything. We're all just making it up, (laughs) printing out links, you know? And I do (laughs) hope that if the University of Delaware, you know, health center is listening to this, they're not still knocking on your door. Like we've let the bag of dildos go. I think that I did return it. (laughs) I'm sure that I ultimately returned it, but I feel like I didn't like I must have put them in the mail or something because I don't think I like went to the health center with them and returned them. I love it. That's amazing. (laughs) I feel like you just touched on also so much good advice for people who think they may have vaginismus. And Mm -hmm. I want to open it up if there's other advice you have and also advice if I feel like there could be advice for someone dating someone with vaginismus and like maybe whether or not to print out the Reddit page, et cetera. (laughs) 
I, it is funny because it's like the, that Reddit page really did like send me on my journey, but it also was like very indelicate, like, <laughs> like a forwarded email from my boyfriend. <laughs> um, I think so. I would say first, if you're a person who has vaginismus and you are dating, um, be open with your partner about what you're going through and what feels good. Do the things that you like. You can have a rich sex life that's also outside of, you know, being penetrated. Like that's part of it. Um, but that I would also like anyone who has it, I would just urge them to go and try and find a treatment that works for them. I know that there are some self-help books that are like self-guided that I've seen people online saying they had success with. I personally felt like I did need that like person to guide me, but there's just no reason to feel like you have to continue on with vaginismus. Like I, I think there was a point where I got complacent and I was like, whatever, this will just be my life and it'll be what it is. But like vaginismus is basically society's weird ideas about sex, stealing your sex life from you. And mm. like society doesn't have the right to do that to you. There's nothing physically wrong with you. And you have every option and every availability to have a wonderful, fun, amazing sex life that you build with somebody else. So I love that's that. What I would say. That's amazing. Um, if you are act, if you are dating someone who has vaginismus, you know, I think definitely be vocal about the fun sex things that you are doing outside of penetration. You're not wrong to want to get your sex life to that level. And it's also like, but just be careful about how you encourage it. Like make sure that you're leading when you're encouraging your partner to get help, make sure you're leading for like leading that with like, this is going to make your life better. You need to take control over your body. Like this is something you're doing for you as an added bonus. I will then get to have sex with you. But, but like, make sure that you're putting the fact that like, this is going to revolutionize your partner's like soul and life mm -hmm. in such an amazing way when she's cured. And it's, it's this being able to have sex is like the least of that. Like it's part right. of it. It's like an affirming thing, but it's like, again, it's basically society has like carved a weird groove into her brain that is like preventing this person, this, uh, your vagina having lover from like living life to the fullest and that, and making sure that that gets sorted out is the priority, not having sex. Like having sex is one of the benefits, but the priority is that like she comes to terms with what is happening with her physically and like gets to take ownership over her body. That's great advice. <laughs> I love that. And I'd also add on, if you mm -hmm. have a kid or if you are in some sort of sex education position to take all this in yeah. <laughs> and not do the damage anymore, because yeah. truly, like, I just think so much of what we talked about is true, that there is no education about, uh, like, what the goal of sex should be, if not, no, you know. I feel like it's so crazy to not mention 
common conditions. Like we mentioned, you learn about every STD and what it does to you and like the entire process of becoming pregnant, but you don't learn. And this goes for young men too. Like you don't learn how to identify if some other thing is wrong. And I feel like with sexual pain, they don't want to say in these sex ed classes, like they don't want to talk about sexual pain because they don't want to talk about sexual pleasure. They don't want people to, they don't want to have to acknowledge the other reason for having sex. Right. So they don't bring it up because it's like an endorsement of like sex for pleasure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, they don't want these girls to feel connected to their vagina and to feel like they, yeah, like they don't want them to have that connection or our education system isn't like, set up with that priority. So if you are a person who is in any like way able to like you're, you're in any position of like teaching children about sex, if you just mention the word desperunia or vaginismus or whatever, one time you really could be doing a girl an like a huge favor. Yeah. Totally. Of just like getting the word in her lexicon. You don't need to do, you don't need to like, go in depth or whatever, but just to be like, Hey, these are some fairly common conditions that people can go through that, uh, are curable and a problem. And you should like get them checked out if you feel like you have one, like that's all that needs to happen. But we don't even want, like they, people don't want to like mention it because then you would have to tell young girls like to enjoy sex. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, wow. I love it. I love it. This is such an uplifting story, too, because in the end, it's like everything can be okay. Talk about your situations. Be open. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's obviously so like the whole experience is so crazy. Like the whole time going through it, I was like taking I was like taking these trains out to Long Island. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting on the train like I'm traveling four hours a week to go in a back room with two little doctors and like put tampons in. It's like crazy. that's what I'm doing. It's <laughs> crazy. And, like, and it costs $3,000. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the setup down there is so complicated, expensive, confusing. It blows my mind that anything ever gets done. We just yeah. like, we just walk around with these things that are just truly insane. Huh? complicated little machines and have a lot of different elements going on with them. Yeah. You know, like there's so much, there's so many different aspects. Like with vaginismus, the issue is the, these, the pelvic, the PVC muscle group, the pelvic floor muscles. But, you know, you said you recently had talked to people with endometriosis. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes there are things going on internally. It's just, you know, if you are experiencing pain, just know that like, you don't have to and you shouldn't. And like, there are people who can help you. Yes. And it is okay if you're not the girl at spring break, having all the sex, having the most fun with all the guys loving every sex partner, like that expectation too. let's put it aside. Some people will have it. Some people won't. And that's okay. Yeah, like, and it yeah. Like, and it has very little to do with vaginismus. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, yeah. like, I would never want to be that person. Seems like a lot no. of work and a lot of energy expelled and a lot of risk. But that's okay. It's frankly, to each her own. Frankly, 
having sex with men is fine. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like you talk about the end goal. And I think some people have different outcomes than others. That's another that's like a whole other podcast I'd love to do, which is like, how does sex actually feel for you or like for a different person or for the third person? I just think we're all feeling it very differently. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so interesting because it is so personal and like private and intimate, but then at the same time, it's like, we do all have these parts and there are all these standardized things. Like I was so shocked to find out how many women have vaginismus. I was like, that is crazy. I literally thought it was me. That's crazy. Alone. It's crazy. Well, now I'm glad people are going to hear this podcast. I hope they realize they're not alone. Yeah. And that like a cool, fun gal with a great personality in a very healthy, wonderful relationship is, you know, talking about it in such a way that like is very encouraging. So I'm really glad you did the podcast. Yeah, I really hope. I mean, I really hope that if anybody listens, they did feel encouraged. Thank you for giving me the space to talk about it. Of course. So if anyone wants to find you on social media, where should they look? Uh, yes, uh, on Twitter, I am at Elise Navidad. That's A-L-I-S-E-N-A-V-I-D-A-D. And on Instagram, I'm Pandalise. That's P-A-N-D-A-L-I-S-E. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Elise. Um, Thank you. God bless. Yeah, this was so much fun. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Relatively Healthy Podcast. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at 844-STOLARX, S-T-O-L-A-R-X. That's also the number of our hotline. So if you call that, you can leave a voicemail and we can either play it on the air or not. And we would love to have your questions and your feedback and any suggestions for future episodes because we really want this podcast to be for you. Uh, In addition, you can find us on Facebook, Relatively Healthy Podcast. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes and give us a five-star review. We would really love you for it. And please keep waiting for more episodes every Monday. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.